Nashville Predators slam the door shut on the Chicago Blackhawks. A 3-0 win in which the top line showed up to play. We'll have a recap of that game, plus a look at our Western Conference favorites right now on today's Locked On Predators. Your Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Predators podcast your first listen of the day. Every single day, we are your free daily Nashville Predators podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, want to start out with a special shout out. To our loyal Locked On Pred heads out there, the everydayers who tune into every single show, we love you guys and we appreciate the support you give us week in and week out. I'm Nick Morgan, a writer at Penalty Box Radio, and I have a partner in crime. You do. I'm Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer at the Hockey News. Today's episode is also brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. It's Wednesday, and we have a Western Conference Wednesday coming up later in the show. We're about halfway through the season. We've hit the new year, so we are going to look at who the favorites to win the Western Conference are right now. Who is our pick to represent the West in the Stanley Cup Final? Coming up in just a second, but first, big night for the Nashville Predators, 3-0 win over the Chicago Blackhawks at home at Bridgestone Arena. Uh, and you had to like what you saw in this one, Ann. For the, you know, I love the final score. I will say there were a couple minutes in the middle of this game where I was like, is this going to turn into one of those F around and find out games for the Nashville Predators? Because while they definitely outplayed Chicago in the first period, they just didn't like Soderbloom and the Predators just couldn't quite get on the same page with like, just let the Predators score on these chances already. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so what felt like it should be a three, nothing game at the end of one, a four, nothing game at the end of one was a one, nothing game. And so it was a little bit deceptive midway through because you're like, this game feels a certain way, but the scoreboard is, is sitting on a throne of lies. So there was a moment of panic, but the predators, Hey, when they needed to finish this game off, they did. So yeah, it, it felt like a good win. It was a great win to get it home, which is better than what we could say for some past games. Uh, in there, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's run through the game real quick. Gustav Nyquist on the power play gets the Preds on the board five minutes into the game. Assist from Roman Yossi and Ryan O'Reilly. Mention the assist because that's going to come into play uh, or a big point later in the show. Uh, as Ann mentioned, it was kind of a you know battle between the Preds and a giant brick wall known as Soderblom. Uh, but Ryan O'Reilly in the third period finally gives the Preds their second goal on the power play again. This time assist from Forsberg and Nyquist. Do these sound like key names for the <laughs> Nashville Predators to you? Uh, and then just with about 30 seconds less, Luke Evangelista, good to see him get on the board, gets an empty net goal uh, to make it 3 nothing, And that is the final score. 
UC Soros, not his busiest game. No. Uh, but he made a couple of good saves to preserve the three-nothing shutout. Second shutout for the Preds this season and the second for Soros. And your one word to describe last night's game. My one word to describe last night's game is Riga, which is the capital city of Latvia. And the reason I went with Riga is because it has a little bit of everything. When you go to visit Riga, it has this beautiful um, European old world charm. They've got, you know, the architecture and things like that really are very European. But then you have stretches in Riga that have like the kind of more functional pared down cinder block Soviet era buildings you know, because they were part of the Soviet Union for a while. And then there's also this really modern vibe in Riga as well. Like it's really a country or a city in a country that's, you know, definitely not, you know, behind the world as far as being more modern with kind of a fun vibe and stuff. And for me, that's sort of what this game felt like. Like there were things in it that you were like, hey, this is really good fundamental hockey from the Nashville Predators. Like, you know, it may not be super flashy, but it's fundamental hockey. It's functional. It serves its purpose. But then you had, you know, some flair. And then you had some moments of like, oh my gosh, this is really like being occupied by a foreign territory. You know, you just had a little bit of everything in this game but when you came away from this game and also when you come away from visiting Riga you're just very glad that you were there and and I think you kind of left this Blackhawks game with like okay you know what there was there was enough good here that really made this game worth worth going to so for me it was a Riga game Got dark there, and then all that comparison. Well, you know, look, they had a tough history. For I mean, they're hardy people. They've been occupied and occupied, but they mm -hmm. keep coming back stronger. Are Maybe there's going? a one word. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Riga Latvia, uh, official sponsors of today's Lockdown Predators <laughs> podcast. Right. Uh, right. Book your book your tourism spots now. That's folks. right. My one word, Anne, is to do list. You know, when you're coming back from vacation or, you know, you just have a lazy sort of weekend where you don't feel like doing anything or maybe, you know, a weekend you're out with your friends, whatever it is, you come back to reality on that Monday. There's a bunch of dishes in the sink. There's a bunch of laundry not put away. And you think to yourself, all right, today's the day I knock out the big to-do list get everything back on track and sort of knock out everything that I say I'm going to. And I'm going to feel a lot better. I'm going to feel a lot more centered, a lot more organized. What was the, you know, big to-do list for the Nashville Predators that we wanted to see in this game? We wanted to see them dominate possession. Yep. They checked that off their to-do list. Yep. We wanted to see the big guns step up and play a big game. Check. They did that. You, you heard me list off the goals and assists in the um, in, in the recap. It was it was the Predators' top line and Roman Yossi that kind of led that way. Uh, we wanted to see them play, you know, kind of a complete 60-minute um, complete game. For the most part, yes. Some, yeah. some iffy moments here and there. But overall, uh, this is probably the most complete game they've played in a while. And so cross that off the to-do list. And we wanted to see UC Saros get back to being like the game stealing UC Saros. That's another check. 
yeah. on the to-do list. Again, he didn't have like his, you know, it's not like he was stopping 40 shots or out there or anything, but he did make some pretty good saves. So yeah, yeah. good for him. Um, and so, and you're, you're the Nashville Predators, you're going through and all these things that you wanted to get out of this game, you pretty much got out of this game. Uh, and I would say Soderblom's the only reason that the Predators didn't. Um, right. Yeah, the Predators didn't have like, you know, four nothing, five nothing. Um, but but yeah, you, you have to be happy with the, the what you saw last night. Yeah, there were definite ebbs and flows in the game, but I agree with you. I think um, it was challenging. It, it didn't need to be, but it was challenging for the Predators to just kind of stay focused and play their game because I think we've seen in the past and even in recent games where things maybe were not falling, like they had so many high danger chances that they just didn't capitalize on. You know, whether it was Soderblom, whether it was, gosh, you know, miss the net wide or, you know, this or that. But you, you saw them kind of stick with it. There was no like, oh, my gosh, and, and try to do a little too much or try not to do quite enough. Like, I feel like in the Dallas game, the Dallas debacle, as it will be known, they just didn't do quite enough. And you could see them um, maybe not pushing like they needed to. They kind of got away from their game. So I do think that the Predators did a good job kind of sticking with it and not panicking in the fact that what should have been, you know, a 3 nothing, 4 nothing lead really was a one-goal lead. And when they got the five-on-three, now they did have a power play in there that was like a little bit woof, but they got that five-on-three and you, like you said, you see Nyquist, you see Sissons, you see O'Reilly, you see Forsberg out there, Roman Yossi out there on the power play. You're like, okay, this is where we're going to get it done. And they did. You know, so there was there was a lot to take away from it. I thought it was really interesting. Uh, Andrew Burnett said that this game had, you know, a lot of good, a, you know, a lot of bad and some ugly. And I was like, just curious, like, what was ugly? <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of even interested to know, like, what was the bad? Yeah, really? well, I think he well, really, I think he sort of felt like. If you had played the way the Predators came out that first period you know, especially the first probably three quarters of the first period, Nashville was just absolutely dominating. I mean, absolutely dominating puck possession, uh, you know, offensive opportunities. Really, Chicago did not have a lot of opportunity to get much offensive zone time in the first period. And I think that the ebb and flow of the game was disappointing for him that you went into the second period and you didn't stay at that kind of attack level. So for him, that was sort of the ugly, like, you only really do have on the scoreboard a one goal game. You can't play like you have a four goal game. And, and so okay. I'm also trying to figure out how much of Andrew Brunette is, and, and he's really delightful, very positive and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I'm also trying to read and figure out, does like, does Andrew Brunette do attaboys? Like, I think that he does, but I mean, overall with the team, like, is the team going to play a game where he's not going to say, here's what you need to do better. 
I was a little yeah. disappointed in this. Do you know what I'm saying? How coaches yeah. always have to have that. So right. I, I don't know how how really hideous the ugly was. So, so let's continue that in, in just one second. Also, a uh, talk about the top line because they deserve some kudos I for this do. game, especially on the power play. Uh, and we are going to break down our favorites in the Western Conference. That's coming up in just one second. First, though, want to mention today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL season, there's just one week left, folks. But don't worry, there's still plenty of time to get in on the betting action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And if you're new to the world of uh, online betting and sports betting, there's good news for you. Right now, new customers on FanDuel get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 money line bet. That's right. All you have to do is put down 5 bucks and you can win 150 bonus bets, win or lose. That is a pretty good investment, if I say so. The app is easy to use and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets. In the new Explore tab, you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays. And, of course, you can make traditional bets, such as the money line player props, like how many passing yards is uh, Will Levis going to have this week, how many rushing yards is Derrick Henry going to have, and spreads from the game. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to make your first bet a big old slam dunk. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Ann, we are talking about the Predators' 3 nothing win over the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, and, I mean, you mentioned it before the break, where it just felt like Andy Burnett kind of kept poking holes a little bit in the Predators' game in, in some of the post-game. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about him sort of not giving attaboys which is, you know, is not to the extent of like a John Tortorella. Oh, heavens. Or no. anything. But yeah. it kind of always going to be the guy that it's like, hey, 3 nothing win, Predators dominate possession. Yeah, Soderblom had a good game, but, you know, uh, you know, but hey, you got to be happy with it, right? And Andrew Burnett's always going to be like, well, you know, there's there's something to to clean up. Right. Um, You know, that's that's fine, if that's, you know, that's the head coach's job just to kind of be like, okay, well, you know, clearly um, we we need to do this. We need to do this. I, I just hope it's not a case in which, you know, you have the Predators play a you know an overall good game and you're sitting there being like, yeah, well, they, they did this thing wrong and I'm not right. happy about it. That's my one sort of, I, I think – I don't want to say like concern hitching your giddy up. Yeah. Hitching the giddy up. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I hate that kind of coaching style, but you know, yeah. well, and I think, I, some of it. It, I think some of it is probably um, based on chronology. Like, I wonder if Andrew Burnett would feel a little bit differently about this game had the Predators not had, you know, some games recently where they didn't get bit in the butt by taking their foot off the gas. You know, you're talking about, you know, the, the Dallas debacle and, and, you know, kind of games like that. So 
I think because the Predators have been inconsistent, I think maybe he is just very, very aware of the shifts that happen in the game. And so if the Predators had been playing more consistently recently, it wouldn't have felt quite as like there was this was a game that had some really ugly in it. You know, I think he's still maybe trying to figure out, is this Nashville Predators team going to be able to play with consistency? And I and so that's where I'm not quite as worried. You know, he's certainly not a John Tortorella. And he is somebody, I will say this, like for individual players, he really is um, like if you earn his respect, he gives you his respect. Like one of the players that he talks about really positively is Phil Tomasino. And this is somebody at the beginning of the year that he maybe didn't necessarily um, soften his words about. You know, he was very upfront about like, hey, we need more from Phil Tomasino. He's not doing it. He's a healthy scratch. He knows what he needs to do to get back in the game. And, and he's working on it. When he has, you know, now if you ask him about Phil Tomasino, he'll say, look, I'm really proud of him. He did the work. So I don't feel like it's quite like a Tortorella thing, but it it is interesting. Like, are you all, and I guess that's a coach's job. You're always looking for the growth points. You know, but at some point you would just want to see him walk into a post game and be like, hell yeah, we won that game. (laughs) And I don't know whether that will happen or not. I don't know. Yeah. Don't be the turd in the punch bowl. That's all we ask. That's all we ever ask. Yeah. Uh, And let's talk about this top line. Uh, Two power play goals, one from Gustav Nyquist, one from Ryan O'Reilly. Um you, you have to like their response Gosh. after after a couple of games in which we, we talked about them, maybe not bringing that same sort of game-changing effect to games. You had to like what you saw out of them last night. Yes, and I think they really know that they haven't in some games kind of been as good as they can be. Now, I will say this, Gus Nyquist extended his point streak to six games. This guy has got five goals and nine points in his last six games. So Gus Nyquist, I don't know what he is doing that just has him on a tear. You know, he was asked about it after the game and his thing was, well, I play with really good line mates, you know, the hockey thing where I don't, you know, I compliment everybody around me. But I do think you saw more from Ryan O'Reilly, you know, Philip Forsberg, those assists that he had were great. The other person that I want to point out, especially on that power play goal that Ryan O'Reilly had, that goal would not have happened without Colton Sissons. Mm-hmm. who tied up the defender in front of the net so that Forsberg's absolutely gorgeous cross-ice pass, that low pass to Ryan O'Reilly for the goal uh, happened. So, you know, kudos to Colton Sissons. But it is really good when you see your top players playing like your top players. Now, if we can get a game where they do that and then we get some like Trennan, McCarran, Tomasino, Evangelista, Novak, you know, stuff too, I think we would just call it a holiday and be happy. But yeah, that O'Reilly Forsberg Nyquist line has been, you know, it has got so much potential and it makes me wonder, and I'm curious your take on this, you know, Nyquist talked about, you know, they've played together. They've got the chemistry, you know, is maybe not having consistent line mates something that's holding some of the other lines back because there really has been a lot of change, you know, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it does. I think in a way, like, you know, you, you can't sort of work your way 
out of the highs and lows. For instance, it's been, you know, a while since we've seen that top line have that kind of impact, either at five on five or at the power play. Uh, and, and then you see them come back and have a game like this uh, in which, hey, you know, there's two goals on the power play, but it's all the same cast of characters. Um, you know, they can play themselves out of it because they have that chemistry. Like they know, you know, what's, what's the link, like what's the missing link, what they need to do, what mm-hmm. they're doing wrong, what they're doing that they haven't really done before. Um, you know, you can do that if you're a line and you've been playing together because you know what you guys are doing when you're operating at a hundred percent, like you have that feel. Um, and you know, you have, and I'm just, you know, throwing out lines, but like, you know, Yuso Parson and Michael McCarron and Phil Tomasino, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a line that we haven't really seen a lot of this year. So let's just say yeah. that line struggles or that line struggles to get going. Okay. Like, is it one person not fitting with the other person? Is it just everybody maybe being a step off? Right. Um, is it somebody, you know, miscommunicating where you're going to be? Like, what's the issue there? You don't know because you don't have a lot of experience with each other outside of maybe at practice. Right. So for me, I I do think it is a good thing um, to kind of keep at least two people on that same line together throughout the season if you can. Um, I don't like line blenders for that same reason. I get it every now and then you have to shake things up or something's not working. You need to get certain guys going. I get that argument, but I do think um, you have a better chance to kind of turn things around with consistent line mates. And it's not just a, oh, well, you know, you need to let them play it out. It's just, you know what you have in them and you know what their chemistry is. And then that's more comparable you know, if something's wrong to be able to go back and be like, what's wrong or when do I need to change something up? So, yeah, yeah, I think for me that that's that's something that I would advocate for. Yeah, I just think it's I just think it's kind of interesting. And I know, you know, there were injuries to Sherwood. There were injuries to Novak. There were injuries to Glass that kind of necessitated switching up lines. But it's like, okay, you know, with some consistency, could we see some of these other lines kind of get in the groove that, you know, we're starting to expect from that top line. You know, we'll see. One other thing I just wanted to throw out, cute little statistic I thought was kind of impressive for the Nashville Predators in the game last night. Connor Bedard held to zero shots on goal, which yeah. is only the third time this season that Connor Bedard, who averages 3.1 shots a goal per game, did not get any shots off. So shout out to the Nashville Predators because, you know, while the Chicago Blackhawks are definitely a team struggling, Connor Bedard is flipping good, y'all. And they did a great job kind of containing him and neutralizing him. So shout out to the Predators for that, too. Big. And man, Mans was trying. Mans was <laughs> trying to get some offense going. <laughs> yes. Uh, God bless. Yeah. He's something. Predators, he really yeah. is. Yeah. Good player. Uh, yeah. Predators, 3 nothing win over the Chicago Blackhawks. Where do the Predators fit in the Western Conference now? Uh, It's Western Conference Wednesday, so we are going to look at the team that we think is going to win the Western Conference when the Stanley Cup Finals roll around. More on that in just a second. 
First of all, I'll let you know this episode is brought to you by our great friends at Game Time. Look, you should not have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And they have killer last-minute deals. They show all-in prices. They show you views from your seat. And they have a best price guarantee. So Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. And it is so easy to find and buy tickets on the Game Time. Time app. Right now, you can get great seats for things like the Harlem Globetrotters or comedian Tom Segura. Beetlejuice the Musical, my friends, is coming to Nashville and it is fantastic. So you can grab your seats through Game Time or you can get tickets to the Dancing with the Stars tour that's coming to Nashville as well. And one of the best things about Game Time is you can see your seat at Bridgestone Arena, at TPAC, at the Grand Old Opry House before you buy your ticket so you know where you're going to be sitting and how the view looks before you buy. They also offer great flash deals. They have last minute deals at game time as well. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Go ahead and download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem code locked on for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, Ann, it's Western Conference Wednesday, and on today's edition, we are going to be looking at, now that we've reached the new year, what team we think is going to represent the Western Conference in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yep, we are just going ahead and jumping right to there. Way too early picks for the Way Western too early. Finals, but based on what we've seen so far this season, and who do you like to win the West right now? And let me tell you that this is a sentence that in October, I did not think I would say my friends, but I am really on the Vancouver Canucks train. Mm-hmm. And I don't, it, it just feels weird to even say it, but the thing about Vancouver, they started off hot. They have stayed hot. I have seen nothing that makes me think that this is a team that is going to kind of struggle to get there. Um, You wait for them to sort of fall off for that hot start to kind of vanish. And it just hasn't. The last time they lost two games in a row was back in mid-November. You know, they're doing everything that they need to do after a loss to immediately get back to a win. Of course, you know, they've got Elias Pettersson, JT Miller. They've got, you know, fantastic goaltending. Thatcher Demko and Casey DeSmith have been fantastic for them. They've got, you know, just the tandem that you need going into the playoffs. I just... You know, short of injury, I'm just not sure that the Vancouver Canucks are going to slow down and uh, give up their their leading kind of spot in the Western Conference. So shockingly, I think it's the Canucks. The thing about Vancouver is also, you know, they have everything like they have Mm -hmm. everything in every position they have the franchise forward in Elias Pedersen. They have that depth, you know, or that secondary scoring uh, from Brock Besser, JT Miller, you know, real top line guys having top line esque years right now. Uh, They have franchise defender in Quinn Hughes, who is not only, you know, making a case for the Norris, but might be making a case of the MVP. Yeah. Well, uh, we haven't had a defensive MVP since Chris Pronger. That might change this year. 
and they have a franchise goaltender, Thatcher Demko. Uh, we were a little bit worried last year when he kind of struggled through injuries, back healthy this year, and is just absolutely red hot. Yeah. Um, I would say I'm with you, Anne. I yeah. think Vancouver is going to be the hot, trendy pick to get into the Western Conference Finals. The only team I would say that they need to watch out for right now is the Colorado Avalanche. Yes, yes. And, and here's the thing. They've, they've been hot and cold. There, there's some certain things I think they, they need to figure out on the team. They have teammates calling each other or each other's dads out in post-game interviews. That was a whole fun That thing. was a thing. Um, but at the end of the day, they're trending in the right direction. They've kind of figured out some of their earlier struggles. Nathan McKinnon, you know, we had MVP talk a second ago, might be the front runner right now. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Georgiev is a goaltender that I think is strong enough to help the abs kind of get deep into the postseason and maybe win some of those games where a team like Vancouver might jump out into, um, you know, maybe maybe a high-scoring affair with mm -hmm. them. So that is the the one team to me that I think might challenge them a little bit. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And you can see kind of ups and downs with Colorado. But here's the thing about Colorado. They pull it together when they need to. And, and they're just one of those teams that you're like, at any given moment, they are the best team in the league with with the players that they have, with the rosters that they have. So I wouldn't I would. That's a team I would not be surprised with. Here's my sleeper pick. And I don't necessarily think that this is a team that's going to win the Western Conference, but the team that has kind of surprised me and who I'm like, I am watching y'all. And it's the Winnipeg Jets, you know, and I don't like saying that. Um, because they stole Nino Nino Ryder. I know we traded him fair and square, but it feels like they stole him. But I, you know, that's another team that I think has a lot of great talent. You know, Josh Morrissey, they've got Mark Shifley, they've got Kyle Connor, who absolutely schooled the Nashville Predators. Um, and when Connor Hellebuck is good, he is vintage Soros good. Like he's the steal the game good. You know, and I know they haven't, you know, necessarily, you know, blown everybody away with their play this season, but they could sneakily be good. You know, they've got kind of a tough January schedule like the Predators do. They're playing, you know, six teams that right now are in playoff contention. But if they can come away and kind of dominate in those games, it'll be interesting to see. They also finish the season with a hard schedule. They finish with Nashville. Hopefully that's going to be a part of a hard schedule. Yeah, very Look at my confidence. Speaking into life but they also have dallas colorado seattle and vancouver so that's how they end their season so you know i like winnipeg they've, they've got something stacked against them but it's just a team that i'm like okay i'm gonna keep my eye on the jets and see can they really maybe be a spoiler team in in, in the playoffs i don't know they're they're interesting to me yeah, that's that's an interesting one. And uh, oh, by the way, uh, the Edmonton Oilers are also red hot. I mean, come you on. know, you the knew Connor McDavid on it. <laughs> you knew. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So keep us in check, listeners. Let us know if yeah. our picks hilariously fail, um, or you know, hey, give us some kudos in May and June if our picks wind up being right. Uh, and where can people find your work? You can find my work online at insidethepreds.com. You can find me on social media at Ann K underscore Mama on Ice.
You can find me at penaltyboxradio.com. Follow me on social media at underscore NSMorgan. That's going to do it for us on today's Locked on Predators podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Back tomorrow with an all-new episode. We'll see you then.